welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the Give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa, and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! So if you've been tracking with us for the last several weeks, we've been in this like, I want to say, non-teachy, encouraging um, more, I would call it like devotional type, conversational style of communicating, <laughs> if that makes sense. And we're going to continue on that. We're, I, this is not uh, a typical like teaching or, or typical preach that I would normally do, but we've been in this like, I want to say fluid last three to four weeks since Pentecost Sunday actually, and we've been talking about the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We've been talking about being led by the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about what it means to uh, walk in step and keep in line with Holy Spirit in our life. We talked about the fact that the Holy Spirit really is the Godhead, is God on the earth within us, leading us into the revelation of Jesus every day. Jesus said, when I go, when I ascend, I'm going to send you another I'm going to send you another, and he will guide you into all truth. Paul said it like this in Philippians, that that we worship by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's role is to keep us God conscious. The Holy Spirit's role is to lead us to produce fruit in our life. Without the Holy Spirit's power in our life, there is no fruit. That's why it's called fruit of the Spirit, not your spirit, of His Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. So we've been talking about the power and role of the Holy Spirit in our lives all the way back from Acts chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus, uh, uh, or after Jesus died, 50 days the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit came upon 120 people. And they all began to speak in what was called uh, tongues, and they were speaking in the native tongue of all those people around them, the gospel. They were speaking in their language. It's like me never being able to speak Chinese, and all of a sudden, I can speak perfect Chinese, and you're amazed. But yet, there was something so powerful that happened on that day, and they said, the outsiders said, this is chaos, this is crazy, they must be drunk. And Peter was like, no, it's impossible, they're not drunk, it's only 9 o'clock in the morning. And then he preached the gospel saying, this is that. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied about, that in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your young men will have visions, your old men will dream dreams. This is a prophecy coming to pass that now the Holy Spirit's power is made available to all humanity. It's an amazing thing. But they said they were drunk. Why? Because it looked a little bit out of order. 
They, they were so used to their religious order, their perspective of these gatherings. They had a perspective, and this perspective was shattered in a moment because the Holy Spirit showed up. Let me just say this. When the Holy Spirit shows up in your life and interrupts your life, don't expect what feels or has felt like in the past order. The Holy Spirit is in the business of intercepting passes all the time. Like the Bible says this, many are the plans of a man's heart, but God orders their steps. You can plan all you want, but God is in the intercepting business. He is constantly intercepting passes that you thought you were going to catch. He really is. And when we realize that he is the God we've invited into our life, we realize that these interceptions really are actually what we want in our life because they'll produce fruit. They'll produce fruit. We read out of Galatians chapter 5, verse 25, says this, Now since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep each step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. The illustration is that God is saying to us and inviting to us, or in, he's inviting us into this journey of walking in line with the Spirit. Staying in line. How many have got out of line at times? We all get out of line sometimes. We all miss it sometimes. But the Holy Spirit's role, his heart for us is that we would stay in line with him. There's a proverb that says in chapter 3, Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord God with all your heart. Lean not on your own logic, on your own ability to understand. And in all your ways, in the Hebrew is the word yada. In all your ways, yada him, acknowledge him. In all of your journeys, in all your seasons of life, acknowledge him, yada him, which means to make an experience with him by sight your focus, where you see the evidence of God in every season of your life. And if you would just make that a priority, you will walk straight and not crooked. The promise is in all your ways acknowledge him, and you will walk according to his standard. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will lead you on straight paths. In all your ways, put him front and center, and you'll make it. This is really what the Holy Spirit leadership life is all about, letting him lead us every day, every day, having conversations with the Holy Spirit, being in relationship, being in step. Now, remember, we have a human spirit, and we have the Holy Spirit. We have the human one and the holy one. We have the human spirit and we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not an it. I think of like cousin it from the Adams family. He's not an it, a weird looking thing, not an oil, not a dove. He is the person of God. He is Jesus reflected in the earth, in you and I. You cannot fully come to the revelation of Jesus Christ unless you understand relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's like, it would be likened to, I could never fully understand the power of the sun outside unless I understood the heat that it made me feel when I got around it. How many have ever been sunburned? Lifestyle. Matt says that's lifestyle, always getting sunburned. There's something about the heat of the sun that, that helps us, and even the light, but the heat of the sun that makes us realize how powerful the sun really is. You go to a hot country, 
Anyone ever been to a hot country, like really hot, where it's like you're you're drenched. You're like your your clothes are just drenched all the time. It's wild. It makes you realize, man, the power of the sun. Depending upon where you're located, the power of the sun. I don't know about you, but I want to be located in the hottest place with God. I want to be located, I want to find my location with God in the most powerful place where I can see the most powerful reveal of his nature. That's my goal. That's my heart. Hopefully that's your heart as well. I want to talk today real quick because I'm, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of piggybacking on the last three to four weeks and I'm kind of building something yet organic with it in the sense of I'm letting the Holy Spirit kind of lead us. This is not a typical preach or teaching. This is more of like a devotional type communication style. And I want to talk today about the promises of a spirit-led life. Write that down. Write that down while I take a coffee break. The promises of a spirit-led life. Because there are many promises of a spirit-led life. When you let the Holy Spirit lead your life and say, every day, what do you want to do today? What's the fun today, God? What's the thing today? What do you want me to focus on? Asking God questions. Some of us don't ever learn to recognize the voice of God because we don't go- ask God anything. All we do is give God our requests constantly. We never stop to listen. You say, well, God doesn't speak to me. How much time do you spend listening? This is the question. How much time do you spend listening versus your laundry list of prayer? There are seasons of my life where I pray very little about my requests because I know that in listening, it will alter what normally would have been a request. When you learn to listen, sometimes we pray wrong because we don't listen first. You know that? Sometimes we pray wrong because we don't listen first. There's a great verse in Romans chapter 8, verse 26 that says, there's times when we don't know what to pray. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes over us and intercedes for us with us with groans that cannot be expressed in words. Sometimes we get to a place we don't know what to pray. We don't know what to say. We've already given our laundry list back to God. He already knows. By the way, he already knows what you're going to ask before you even ask it. That's not to say don't ask because he wants to hear you talk. He wants to hear you bring your faith. He's a God that wants to partner with you. So if you would pray and bring your request to God, you would actually experience partnership. That's what he's all about. But there is some times where we're trying to partner with God in the wrong way because we're not listening first. And if we would just pray, God, is this how you want me to pray right now? Just listen. Stay in step with the Spirit. Just listen. Holy Spirit, what are you saying right now? How do I pray this through? Do I just pray the way that I've always prayed? Do I just do what I've always done? Do I just perform like I've always performed? Do I just do the church thing the way that I've always done it? Do I just, you know, like, just ask these questions to yourself. Because what if the Holy Spirit is wanting to intercept some things in your life in this season? I believe he really is. There's promises of a a Spirit-led life. Number one, you will be called. Write this down. You'll be called. You'll be called. Maybe you were called before you were born. Well, number one, I do believe that biblically you were called before you were born. You were called to be adopted into the family of God before you were born. But maybe there was something specifically that, that God, where God spoke to your mother that was carrying you in the womb. 
and your son is going to do this, that, and the other. Maybe there was some sort of a calling that happened there. God spoke to your mom. God spoke to you or spoke to your mom very early on. Maybe you were a child, three, four, five, and you had a dream that you remember and you felt called by God to do something very specific and significant in life. Maybe when you were 10, maybe when you were 20, maybe as of recently you felt like, wow, God has finally, he's called me into this new way, this new life. Let's look at the life of Jesus for a second in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. Speaking about Mary, and she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Of course, Mary carrying Jesus Christ in the womb, in her womb, she had a, a revelation of his calling. She had a revelation. It was, it was impossible that it even happened. She was a virgin. It was holy. It was heavenly. It was truly a, a real heavenly impartation. And in that moment, she has this word from God, this word about the calling of what now what she was carrying, she was carrying purpose in her womb. She was carrying some something so great in her room that her womb that she really had no understanding for at the time. She really didn't know how it was all going to pan out. She didn't fully understand what was going to happen. What does it mean he's going to save people from their sins? How is it going to feel? What am I going to go through? What is he going to go through? She really had none of that yet. Because when God calls you, he doesn't give you all the details. If he did, it would really screw you up. If, if I knew what the last seven years would feel like pastoring, I would have been probably like, hell no. And I say hell because that's what it feels like at times. That's what it's felt like at times. I'm just being honest. But of course, hindsight, I'm like, heck yes. I would do that. It's a heavenly yes every time. Because hindsight, but if someone told me this is going to happen, I'd be like, I don't know about that. But of course, if it be the way that God wants it to be and I can trust him and I'm being led by him, then I'm all in. But even Jesus had that moment, like, he's like, I don't know if I want to drink this death cup. He's in a garden, he's in a garden called Gethsemane, about to go to the cross, and he's like, I don't know if I can drink this death cup, please take it from me. I don't know if I can die on the cross. And then there was a shift. But if it's your will... Not my will, but your will be done. Like, I'm, I'm in. I'm in for surrender. I'm in for surrender because I know I'm called. Part of the spirit-led life is he's going to call you to things. He's going to call you. Maybe you're going to have an encounter with God and everything is going to change. I remember, oh, I remember, man, this one season of my life where I was learning. I was unraveling the calling over my life. You ever felt like the calling over your life sometimes is like a ball of yarn? And it's like the more that it unravels, the more that you understand. Because there was a time in my life where I was like, there is no way I am going to speak behind a mic. I was a drummer. I was a musician. That's what I was going to do with my life. Like, there's no way I'd be a background guy. There's no way I'd be on the mic. Plus, like, coming from the background that I came from, having a speech impediment, there's no way I'm going to be behind a mic. And then slowly, you know, God in his grace and in his mercy starts to open up little doors here and there, starts to reveal things to me that really scared me. And I remember in this juncture of time, I was actually in, there was like a three to four year juncture of time of preparation, even though I started traveling really early on in my journey and speaking. Um, I remember this one experience that I had 
and I was, it was in Ontario, it was at a church in Ontario, and I had this encounter with God that lasted 46 hours. It was an encounter with God, it changed the trajectory of my life. Something happened physically to my body in this encounter that never left me, that I still feel to this day, and kind of, it, it's, it's one of the ways that God speaks to me, it's one of the ways that God helps me discern things. I can go into certain environments and feel certain things in one, one specific part of my body. And I know it's, and it may sound weird to you, but this is what came in from an encounter. And God began to speak to me about the future of what my future would look like. He began to call me in to what my future would look like, and it scared me. But this 46 encounter, 46 hour encounter, it marked my life. Like it was one of those milestone moments that I'm like, man, I, I wish for everybody at some level. I know it doesn't happen to everybody, and I know that not everybody's going to have the same experience, but my, my, my hope and my desire is that everybody would encounter God in some real way. That you don't just do church, you don't just do religion, you do relationship, you do experiencing God, because you can't do relationship without experience. Right? Everyone wants the Christian, ex everyone wants an experience in relationship. So you will be called, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Jesus was called in the womb. There was a proclamation over what Jesus would do. We are called, we're invited in to this journey called life with God, but we have the, the right of refusal. We can say no. We can say yes. We can say maybe. We can argue with God. We can use our excuses But let me just bring this a little further because there was a 30-year window between when Jesus was called to when he had more of an unraveling of what this calling would and was supposed to look like publicly. And we see this in Matthew chapter 3. Let's go there for a second. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. Jesus was baptized. He was baptized, which by the way, if you've not been baptized in water and you're following Jesus, get baptized. Jesus got baptized at the age of 30. He wasn't dunked in water by his parents in a baptismal tank at the age of zero without knowing it. He was dedicated. There was dedication that happened, but he was baptized at the age of 30. So I want to encourage you, don't wait till you're 30. Don't wait till everything's perfect. If you know you need to get baptized, water baptized, we'll do it. We'll help you out. We'll facilitate that. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. The moment Jesus came up out of the baptism, this is why it's so important because baptism is not a symbol. It's a spiritual experience. Communion is not a symbol. It's a spiritual experience. Anything we do that invites God into the moment is a spiritual experience. When you get so symbolic about everything and so routine about everything, you get religious about everything. Everything becomes just a matter of just a doing. But we're not a human doing, we're a human being. And God wants to be with us in every moment, in our experience. And so baptism is so powerful. I was healed on my baptism. When I got, came up out of the waters on that Sunday at the church I was at, God loosed my tongue from a, from a stutter, from a speech impediment that I had when I was a kid. Everything began to change from that baptismal moment. Baptism is not a symbol only. 
It's an experience. Yes, there's representation in the water. The water means something, and coming out of the water means something, but it's a spiritual experience. And so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, he's getting baptized by his relative John the Baptist, and it says here, the moment that Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's Spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him, and along with the spirit of voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. That moment confirmed sonship. You know why? Because a spirit-led life, write this down, confirms and affirms sonship. And it's not gender-specific. You're all sons in the room. According to Scripture, you're all sons. Yes, your daughters too, but you're all sons in the Spirit. Because sons in this culture, why you're called the son is because the son and the firstborn son got the inheritance. There's a cultural element to this, when, why you're called sons, because in that time, sons got the inheritance. The firstborn got the inheritance, the double portion. And so that's why you're called sons. So as a son, this baptismal moment was a confirmation of identity. Let me just tell you, we have an identity crisis in this world. No one knows who they are anymore. But everything starts with him. And then it ends with him. The enemy's going to come in between and mess us all up, confuse us. If the enemy could do anything in your life or your children's life, it's confused them so much about who they were and who they are. That's what he's going to do. He's going to attack their identity. That's not who you are. That sounds like Satan to me in the garden. Is that, is that what God said? The same devil that's confusing people today is the same devil that confused Adam and Eve in the garden. Did God really say? Did God really identify you as this? Did God really create you like this on purpose? Or was it an accident? The moment you begin to confuse yourself and question how God created you is to align with a, a perspective that you were an accident, that this wasn't supposed to be. Let me tell you, it was. Because, but, but even more than our identity crisis that we have today, physically, we have a spiritual one. Because at the core of it, if we don't get the spiritual one right, forget the other one. The spiritual one is that Jesus identifies you, listen to this very carefully, your identity is confirmed by your ability to be led by him every day of your life. Now, I'm not saying, hey, erase the cross. The cross is there. You are identified because of what Jesus has done. His blood has been shed for you. You are identified as a son, period, yes. But then living that out, what that looks like living, living it out every day, you have to live it out. And you only live that truth out by being led by the Spirit. So it's the confirmation that you actually are born again. That you actually do know Jesus in relationship. The Spirit-led life is the confirmation that you actually have a legit faith. I'm not saying you won't mess it up. I'm not saying you won't walk crooked sometimes. I'm not saying you're not going to miss it six days a week. But as long as you jump back, as long as you swing back, you're in a good place. It says, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, the delight of my life. Now, some of you would have heard this translation, and or you've heard another verse say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. He was pleased 
not because he did anything really that pleasurable, to be honest with you, in our eyes. He wasn't performing. He was a carpenter, just doing his life. God was getting him ready. God was unraveling that ball of yarn called this calling for him to see it slowly over a 30-year window of time. And on the baptism day, it was like this was a spirit-led moment. I'm confirming my identity over your life, and I want everyone else to see it too. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Do what I've called you to do because that is what represents your life as an ambassador of heaven, as an ambassador of Christ. So you will be challenged. First promise or first call or first promise of a spirit-led life, you will be called. Number two, write this down. You will be challenged. You're going to be challenged. God's going to call you, and then he's going to initiate you into a challenge. God's going to call you to do amazing things that will make no sense, and then he's going to give you the opposite. Because he wants to see if you can handle it. And I'm not always saying this, and I, I want to be careful theologically. I don't believe that God gives us the bad, but God will take the bad and turn it into something good. Life gives us a lot of bad, and God will just allow it to happen. We don't understand why. He'll allow it sometimes to happen. And because we have God within a, in our midst with us, it will be redeemed. Because my Bible says that God works out everything for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. So whatever bad you're going through right now, expect that something good is going to come from it. And I'm not saying God's giving it to you. I don't know why God didn't stop it, but God's given you the tools and the ability to overcome it. Because he calls you an overcomer. He calls you a victor in everything that you do. Are you in this room this morning? You will be challenged. Let me show you what happens here in Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 speaking about the life of Jesus still. Then Jesus was led, guided by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Did he go into the wilderness by himself? No, he was led. There are things the Holy Spirit will lead you into in life and there's no promise that you're not going to have challenges. He leads you into challenges to formulate that character that you need to fulfill the calling that he's placed on your life. You need these challenges to forge you. You need that fire. You need that fire to sharpen your sword. You need that hammer to break away all the stuff that's on your sword that would stop you from being sharp in life. And that hammer hurts sometimes. Jeremiah says it like this. Is not my word like a fire or like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces? When his word comes, it comes not just by fire to burn up the old version of you. When his word comes, it comes like a hammer sometimes to knock you out so that you can resurrect into the real version of yourself and character. Are you hearing this? Like we need to develop perseverance in seasons of life. There are many different things that God will cause us to move into, and then you'll be like, wow, was that really, I thought that was God. How many times have you been led into a situation, you felt like it was the right thing, whether you call it God or not, you felt intuitively it was the right thing, and then it was challenges, temptations, you want to quit. If you don't want to quit, whatever it is you start, it's not worthy of doing.
If there's never a moment where you want to quit on something that you know is good, that you felt was right to begin, it probably isn't worthwhile doing. Because you'll feel these, it's okay to feel the feelings of wanting to quit. It doesn't mean you're a quitter. You're only a quitter by your actions. Feel the feelings. Go through the, the what's happening. Go through the emotion. But come out on the other side realizing, well, okay, God's called me to this. I can make it through. I can fight through this. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into a wilderness desert season to be tempted. Because listen to this. I want you to write this down. The Spirit will always lead us into situations where our identity will be challenged. Remember in Matthew chapter 3 on his baptism, what was the pronouncement? What was the calling over Jesus? This is my son, right? He called, he called him son. And that word son means a lot of things. He calls you son. That means a lot of things. That means you share in the inheritance. That means you have a big purpose and plan and, and mission in life. He calls him son. And the very next thing is now the Holy Spirit leads him into wilderness. And guess what the first two temptations are all about? The devil says, if you really are the son of God, then do this. Turn this stone into bread. I'm not going to go through all those temptations, but the, next, the very next thing, he's challenging that sonship. He's challenging that calling. He's challenging that identity. God said to Adam and Eve in the garden, in the very beginning, you can eat off any tree, but this one tree don't touch. You can have 90% of my garden, but this one 10% don't touch. It's mine. If you touch it, you're going to die. Everything else is yours, but one tree. You can go to all the restaurants in this garden, but that one called McDonald's in the beginning, don't touch it, you'll surely die. It's right in the middle. Don't touch it. You're, you're, you're going to die. Not going to be good. And then what happens? The enemy comes, and he challenges the calling. He challenges the word. Did God really say? Kind of like, what? How, did God really call you a son in your baptism? If you really are the son, because did God really call you a son? Or was that like a fleeting moment? Did God really say? So if God really, if you really are the son that God says you are, turn this stone into bread. Show me. Prove to me. Interact with me. Fight the wrong battle with me. This snake in the garden represented as Satan comes to Adam and Eve and says, did God really say don't eat off in the street? For surely he knows you'll just be like him. Twisting truths. Half-truths. Twisting truths. That's what the enemy's still doing today. You guys, we don't see it. We live in a spirit, we live in a spiritual world in a human body. We don't live in a human body interacting in a spiritual world. It was spirit first. You existed as a spiritual being before you ever existed as a human being. God has decided to take your spirit from a long time ago, from a long time ago, thousands of years ago, and said, now is the time I'm going to plop that spirit into this earth suit. And that earth suit's fading away. You have one life to live, to occupy. One life to live, to occupy and be the best version that you were created to be and become the version of you you were created to become. But the enemy's goal is to get you to veer from that. Since the beginning of time, we are a spirit being in a human body. We are a spiritual being having an earthly experience. We're spirit being first. Your spirit is eternal. There is a purpose. When you die, you don't die. 
There's an eternal part of you that Jesus is interacting with day in and day out. If you are in relationship with him and you made him first in your life, you are in relationship. You are bound with him. You are connected as one, united with him as one. That's why you share an inheritance with him. Because you're connected as one. You're like a Siamese twin with Jesus. Connected at the hip, joined at the hip, walking side by side at the hip. And that's why you can make it through any challenges that you face. Because you will face challenges. I know last night we were, I took my son to, um, he had this opportunity to join the Ottawa Titans at the old Lynx Stadium. I say Lynx because that's the last time I went there when it was Lynx baseball team was playing, and I don't know how long ago that was now, but um, I was there, the Ottawa Titans were playing, and my son had the opportunity to go on the field and sing the national anthem with the players and be on the field with the players, and it was a super cool moment, and uh, watching the game was a great game, and it's funny because I think baseball is a great analogy for the kingdom in a lot of ways because it's the longest game in sports. They call it the long game for a reason. And that's, that's the, the, the nature of kingdom life is like, will you run the race till the end? The nature of kingdom life is like to not give up, to endure, right? And it was the bottom of the ninth inning. The Ottawa Titans were down by one, and uh, it was 3-2. And, the, of course, as the, the home team, they get last at bat, bottom of the ninth. They had one chance left to make it in to win. One chance. And there was two on base. I believe one or two on base, yeah, two on base. And if they didn't, I think it was even like two outs at this point or something, or maybe one or two, I don't know what, I think it was two outs. And, and there was like, if they don't hit this, and they don't get this run, I mean, the game's lost, bottom of the ninth. And this guy hits this one into left field, and they get home, and they won 4-2 at the last, like the bottom of the ninth. Just suddenly out of nowhere. And that's kind of what happens in the kingdom. It's like suddenly everything can change. You can feel like you're losing. You're down one at the bottom of the ninth. It's the last hour. You got to pay that bill. And all of a sudden, God pulls through. All of a sudden, somehow you hit that pitch. You get it into the right spot, and you're running the bases, and you get home, and you win. So many of us give up in the eighth inning. So many of us give up in the seventh inning. So many of us give up before we even begin because it's just too hard and too exhausting to think that I have to wait that long for a calling to be fulfilled. And we give up right before at the bottom of the ninth. But just one hit, one sudden move can change the whole game. One breakthrough in your life can change the whole game in your life. One miracle moment, one financial moment, one business move, transaction, relationship that you meet, that you begin, one thing just has to happen sometimes before everything changes. Don't give in or give up before the game is over. And that game is your life. To the end of your life, keep believing what God's promised you. To the end of, if Abraham can do it, if all the heroes that we list in Hebrews chapter 11 can do it, so can you. So can you. These guys didn't even have the power of the Holy Spirit in their life consistently, and they did it. You do. You do. How much more can you? So know that if you're called, you're going to be challenged. But that suddenly everything changes, can change in a moment. Let's, let's read Romans chapter 8 verse 14 real quick. And I want to just go here because I've reference this without reading this. For all 
who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Did you hear that statement? It doesn't say for all who just, you know, go to church on Sunday are sons of God. Everyone is a child of God, but not everyone has accepted their adoption papers. Everyone has been predestined to be adopted into the family of God, but you have the right of refusal. You have the right of refusal. Love would never force itself on anyone. You have the right of refusal. For all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Being led by the Spirit in life is about establishing our sonship in life. It's one thing to be known as a son because Jesus died on the cross. I've been forgiven. I've been set free. I've been raised to new life. But we're called to live that out. If that's a true revelation, we will live that out by being led by the Spirit. And that is the confirmation that we truly have a revelation of who we are. So important that we keep in step with the Spirit. Are you with me this morning? You will be, child. I remember, like I remember, like years ago when we lost our building. I remember driving by our building. We still had our building. And driving by it. This is seven years ago. Driving by it, and I would always drive by on this side. It's where the Costco is now. I'd drive by on the highway, and I looked at our building, and I went into while I was driving an open vision. And I saw myself in this vision. I don't know how this works. I was still driving, so I don't know how this works. But I was in an open vision. I, I saw myself taking a picture of the, the, the sign and the building outside and writing an Instagram post, basically thanking God for all the years, saying it was good, it was a great, you know, great run. And in that, I came out of that vision, and I knew, okay, that we're, we're, we're leaving soon. Like, this is done. I walk into that building that morning. I'm in, we used to have this, like, this, this office that was right at the back of the building and had a big, two big steel doors, like no windows, like you didn't even know really it was an office. And I'm back there in the back of the building. I'm in this office, and this, this I think it was a man, gentleman, comes in, comes into the building. He passes the receptionist, passes our receptionist, goes all the way down the hall, doesn't even talk to the receptionist. All, he somehow finds the office. He literally walks into my, like, walks into the office. Doesn't knock. Walks into the, I, I thought it was an angel at first. I'm like, what's happening? Walks into the office and drops an envelope on my desk and walks out. And I, I, I it was the weirdest thing. I'm like, okay, thanks, thanks, man. Like, like who, 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 who are you? What is this? I'm like, is there like, like SARS disease in the envelope or something? I was like, what's going on? So I opened the envelope, and it was our basically like you have to you have to be out. Like it was our it was the end of our it was the termination agreement of our lease. And I was like, wow, God, you prepared me for that. Like, you prepared me for that. And I'm about to enter into a challenge. You spoke the word, and now I can expect the challenge. Seven years we've been in this challenge. Someone in here just needs to buy us a building, and then we'll be. Someone's got faith. Sue us, it's all you, man. Come on, let's go. Let's get that business going. Number three, you'll be changed. Write this down. You'll be changed. I'm almost done. You'll be changed. You're going to have a calling in life. God's going to call you. He's going to speak the word to you. He's going to initiate you into a challenge. 
is going to mess up your whole life. It's going to feel like chaos. But it's all part of preparing, preparing your character for what he's promised you. Number three, you will be changed, transformed. Look what happens in Luke chapter 4. This is another gospel explaining or sharing the same story of Jesus going into the wilderness, okay? So he's, remember, he's called it his baptism son. He's led by the Spirit because those that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. Led by the Spirit into a desert, tempted for 40 days. Really tired, really weary, probably wants to give up. His sonship is being challenged. His identity is being challenged. He's going into identity confusion. He's like, who am I? But he stands strong. He makes it through. And guess what happens when he comes out on the other side of that challenge? Luke chapter 4, verse 13 to 14. Now, when the devil had ended every uh, temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned, listen to this, in what? He was led by the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit into a challenging situation, called by God, challenged formed on the inside. This is a metaphor for us. This really happened, but it's a metaphor for us today to glean from. That we will be called into situations, challenged by them, but we will come out if we make it through on the other side more powerful than when we came in. And in this context, it was like a baptism of fire. It was a baptism of power for Jesus. Even demonstrating the fact that there is more than one baptism in our life. The Bible calls it three baptisms. The baptism of water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and the baptism of fire. Let me just tell you, all of us have been baptized in fire the last two, three years at some level. But some of us have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit's power. And the Holy Spirit led Jesus through the wilderness, and he came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the Son of God modeling for us. If he went through it, so should we. So if the devil's been tempting you and you've been confused in this last season, stand strong because you're coming out with power on the other side. If God's telling you, well, did, did God really say, like, I mean, you, you know, you grew up in the church, you know, you've been around church for, like, you know, how many years, 10 years, 5 years, you know, did, did, is that really true? Did God really say, like, is that really in the Bible? Like, do you really believe the Bible? Like, is this really true? Is this just a book of symbols and metaphors? Like, is it a joke? Is it just a history book? Like, did God really say this stuff? Did God really say this stuff? Like, did he actually say, did he actually, did he actually part the sea? Like, Red Sea, was it actually red? You know, was there actual, like, like battles? Was there actual giants? Like, did, did God actually, was there actually a flood? Like, like, does the rainbow really mean God's promise that he'll never flood the earth again? 100,000%. That's what the rainbow actually means. I don't care what culture says the rainbow means. What the rainbow actually means is that God will never flood the earth again. It was a promise of covenant. It was a cutting of covenant. You can take pride in that, that God is a good God, and he's got a covenant with mankind. Did God really say, but this is what, this is the attack of the enemy, you guys, on culture and on your life, is to get you 
phased out in the challenge season so that you don't get changed in the change season. And he's phased so many people out in the challenge season. I've watched what's taken place across the body of Christ in the last several years around the world. I have friends around the world, and I've watched that there's been like a spiritual lobotomy that has taken place in so many ways, like because the enemy just took people out in the challenge season. Because the pandemic, and I've said this over and over again, did not make anybody go crazy or make anybody doubt truth. It just magnified the doubt that was already there and magnified the crazy that already existed inside of them. Because pressure has a way of bringing everything on the inside out. There's always been oil in the olive. The only way you get out it out of the olive is to crush it. Oil wasn't added into the olive after it was crushed. No, you get whatever is in something out of something when it's under pressure. God wants to change and transform us just like he was changed and transformed by coming through. By coming through. I want you to stand up with me. Like I said, this was kind of like a more topical style of, of speaking. This was kind of a jump around a little bit. I, I felt like I... The Holy Spirit wants to speak to you today about some things and align some things in your mindset today. I really believe that. Maybe some of us in this room, like, we're, we've been so culturally influenced in this last season that I just triggered the holy crap out of you. That's okay. That's okay. We, I think the Holy Spirit... Part of his role, sometimes an opinion gets in the way, and that happens too. But if we're never provoked in any environment that we're in, then we're probably in the wrong environments. I'm called to be in the world, not of the world. And I'm provoked all the time. Because you have a sense of right and wrong, of a sense of what should be and it's not. I'm provoked. I don't leave the world, Right? People are provoked in the church, they leave the church. <laughs> Can't leave the world. But hopefully you realize that, hey, as somebody that knows Jesus, you're never going to escape the body of Christ. You might escape community, but you're still a member of the body of Christ. You may be a wounded member, but God still sees you as a member. And I just believe today that God wants to heal hearts. God wants to set some of us just free in our mindsets today. If you're in this room, you've never said yes to Jesus being center in your life. This is the most important decision you will ever make. If I can just get some ministry team available right away, please, that would be amazing. Maybe you're in this room and you've never made Jesus your focus. I want to give you an opportunity to do that today. You don't know what would happen to you. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. This is not a religious exercise. This is a, hey, God, the creator of the universe, I want to know you. I want to let you into my life. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to be obedient. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. I want to know you in a real, powerful, genuine way. If that's you in this room with every eye closed, just for a few moments, if you're in this room and that's you, I want us just to say 
together along with you. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God. And I want you in my life. I surrender my life today. I receive your forgiveness. I want a real relationship with you. In Jesus' name. I believe you're God. And I believe that you were raised from the dead, Jesus. On the third day to raise me to new life. If you said that and you meant that and you meant it genuinely in your in your heart, I just believe that it's the best decision. It's the beginning of saying, okay, God, okay, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, I'm in. I want a relationship with you. I want to unravel this thing called Christ, this person called Christ in this season. I want to unravel the beauty, the awesomeness, the, the grace that you are. I want to unravel truth in this season in a whole new way. Thank you, Pastor Sean. What a powerful, powerful message. I love that. I want to encourage you, if you said yes for the very first time, to please reach out to us at your email, prayerkingdomculture.ca. We'd love to send resources your way. And for the rest of us, happy Father's Day for all the parents in the house. I want to wish you an incredible, incredible day, an amazing week. Happy Father's Day. Bye.